Hey there, welcome to Elite Bridal Boss Podcast, where we blend bridal beauty and business so you can thrive as a bridal boss. I'm your host, Jenny Tori, and excited to have you here. If you could do me a favor, hit the notification bell and rate this podcast for more. And I know you want more. All right, so let's get started. So I did put a poll in earlier today or actually yesterday and I asked you guys like what was the number one thing you guys are holding you guys back in your barbecue business and I'm surprised 45% of you guys said that not sure if I should be building my portfolio or should I be booking clients so which tells me you guys morally in the beginning part of your business like maybe you guys are doing makeup and you guys are like maybe booking a few clients here and there or maybe doing your families but you're just not sure. So you in your paralysis, maybe like a paralysis part, you know, in the beginning part of your business. But maybe you guys have been doing makeup for a long time. You know, you can be doing part of the passion. So let me know where you guys are at in your journey because it makes more sense for me, like, who I'm talking to. But I'm going to be talking to those who are in the beginning part of their business or in this journey of having their bridal beauty business. Maybe you're doing makeup, but you don't know how do you do brides. You're not able to break into the bridal industry. So maybe that could be you too, you know? So thank you so much for doing the poll. So I'm going to go ahead and answer that question. Like, which should she be focusing on? Your portfolio or are she be focusing on your booking client? So they are both two different strat. Like, obviously, there are two different focuses in your business. So if you're confused at which one you should be doing, that tells me that you should be focusing on building your portfolio. Because if you're not booking clients, the reason why you're not booking clients is because you don't have really have a really good solid portfolio to support your prices or the inquiries that you're getting. So maybe you're getting inquiries, but no one's booking you because, you know, maybe you have a few pictures or maybe the pictures that you're doing isn't up to the par. Or it's not up to the level that you like it. So when you send out prices to them, you may not feel fully confident in the price that you're, tr- you're wanting to charge. So the prices that you are wanting to charge, I mean, it could be different, you know, party makeup versus bridal. Bridal should be more, obviously, than party makeup just because it involves more planning. It's more. I've been hearing people thinking that, you know, party makeup is, should be the same as bridal makeup, but it's not. It's two different energy, two different vibe. because a party makeup doesn't have a lot of weight. Like you don't have a lot of responsibility. Like when you do weddings, you have a more higher responsibility to make sure that you come through, like that you have to make sure you go execute the look on point. You make sure you're there at the day of the wedding. Of course, you want to be there like any other event. But when it comes to wedding, it's just a higher level of responsibility because the bride has invested a lot. When I say a lot, it's like 50000 100000 So a lot into her wedding. And so you have to sh- make sure you show up. I mean, you should get compensated for that, right? And especially if especially you specialize in bridal, definitely you want to co- be compensated for that. Because if you specialize in niche makeup and hair, then you definitely want to be able to be compensated for that because you're specializing in this particular type of client, which is bride. And obviously within the bridal makeup and hair, there's different levels of niches as well that can be like more of affordable, middle range and high luxury, premium and then luxury. I'm in the more of a luxury market. So like my price, you know, is at a top range. So it's different ways. It's a different strategy for each of these levels that you're wanting to hit. You know, not everybody wants to be luxury. Everyone maybe wants to be more affordable. They believe that everybody should be able to be afford the services. And if you are that type of person, then that's fine. It's totally fine. 
So it's up to you how you want to be positioned in the market. And then you just need to make sure you do your actions to meet that goal. It doesn't matter whatever level you want to be in your business. You do have to build your portfolio. So like I still need to build my portfolio, which I'm still in my bio B. I still need to build my portfolio. I still need post bridal work, you know? So with you guys, you still got to post your bridal work. And if you got no bridal work, what does that mean? That means you got to post model picture, right? Makeup and hair model pictures. So that means you got to get models who mimic your bride. So that way you could attract the future brides that you want to book. So yeah, it takes a lot of work, but it's going to be so worth it. When I first started my bridal beauty business, like I did four or five models every week for like six months to a year because that's how crazy I am. Like I went this, it had to work. Being that I was pivoting from like, you know, I was painting. I was selling paintings and selling artwork. And so I pivoted to my bridal beauty business. So it's like I already pivoted for something that already wasn't working for me, like selling artwork at the time. So I knew I had to make this bridal beauty business work. And I was working four times. It's like I could easily not like not do it, but... I was just very hungry and I was very ambitious to have a successful business. So that's why I knew what I had to do. Like no one coached or mentored me to five miles. Like it was inside of me, <laughs> like this little horse inside of me that just made me like run. And speaking about the little horses, this engine that's inside of me, I shared it on my Instagram page, Tory Makeup, as to like what propels me to show up. Like even today, like just to show up. The point is like, I, I still show up. But it's like something inside of me, like it just pushes me. Like I have to, you know, when I say well, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, right? So that's, I came. But let's go back to my story. Like what propels me to really go further in my bio beauty business, you know, like 15 years ago is like, I really didn't know, like for the longest, it wasn't until like a year ago, but eight months ago when I was just talking to one of my students, it was like, I was just sharing, like, I don't know what propels me to work so hard. Like, why do I work? so hard and it's not about the money like well yeah of course money like you know all all of us work it's the same level of work same hours but what makes me go further like i go above and beyond and my family will always tell me like jenny why are you always working so much why or why you you know i'm like i don't know i I needed time to like it took me a good like five six months until like i even went to therapist to figure out like why am i doing this what am i trying to prove you know why am i working so hard Obviously, I'm proving myself because I like I really don't compare myself to anyone. I look at myself and myself. But anyway, so the reason why I'm sharing this with you guys is because, you know, it's important to really know your like what's pushing you and what's not pushing you, you know, because you need to know this so that way you're aligned with what your goal is. So let me go back to my story. So it took me about six months to figure out like why I was working so hard and going. And I went to like, I even went to betterhealth.com just trying to find like a therapist just to get help. And I still couldn't really figure out the why. And so I just had to do my own therapy because I tend to do that a lot. Like just like sit still and like really talk to myself and kind of go back. Actually, I went back all the way to when I was six years old. And then that's when I realized it was like, oh, you know, like, oh, because when I was younger, my parents would go clean restaurants and they would clean offices, you know, and I was young and I would go with them and I would sleep in the car while they're working. And I hated that. I forgot that I hated it. Like, I guess because I forgot. And the moment like I started thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, they work really hard. And yeah, and they struggled. But they always provided everything for me. That's why I didn't think like I didn't have a bad childhood. Like I felt like they always gave me everything. 
But I didn't realize that my parents, they were refugees and they were immigrants and they didn't have anything. They were living in the projects. Like I really didn't understand the whole story of like my whole family when they came over and started digging deep into my mom and my dad. My mom and dad, they're both our older parents, you know, like my mom was 45 and my dad was 65 when he had me. So I, I was raised from an older parent. And when they had me, they had me when they moved in Grand Prairie. So they were living in projects for like three years and they moved to Grand Prairie because they were getting stolen. They were getting robbed constantly. And so they had to make a decision to move to Grand Prairie. And so when they moved here, I was born in Parkland, and but I was born and raised in Grand Prairie. But I was born in Dallas. But the point is they were working really hard and I saw that and I saw the struggle. And I guess subconsciously, like it just made me so ambitious that I just knew that I wanted to retire my parents. I just knew like, I'm gonna work really hard and retire my mom and dad. That's like my little thoughts when I was younger. And I remember that, like, cause that's why I graduated high school early and I wanted to be more ambitious. I wanted to give to my parents, you know, I want to give back to what everything they've done for me. And I did that subconsciously. And that was just like, my dad was very super passionate too. So I have that DNA passion from my dad. He's super passionate and he has so much energy that like you can't deny it. So I have that on top of like seeing my family. And so when I started thinking about that, I literally cried for like three hours that night continuously like I, every time I think about it I start crying so that's how like that's actually my story as to like my why what this engine this horsepower that's coming from that I received you know so that's why I go above and beyond at one point I was thinking it was people pleasing I was but I wasn't people pleasing if I was people pleaser then like I want to excel you know I'll be like like down below but I'm not like I'm always I'll go above and beyond for people, but I go above and beyond for my business, if that makes sense. So, so it's really essentially for myself. So anyways, so that's kind of my story as to why like I do what I do and I'm really passionate to be able to help other people and being helping other people that comes from a part of being an advocate for myself. So when I was younger, you know, I knew I had some type of like, I just knew I needed help with my schoolwork. Like, when I was first grade, I needed help. My mom didn't really speak much English at the time, and she still don't, actually. <laughs> well, she passed away, but the point is she didn't really speak good English, and she could really help me. And so I just knew, like, I have to tell my mom to, like, I need help. So she would, like, drive me places to friends and family's houses to get help. Like, I would do, like, every night of the week because I need help with my homework because I was passionate of making sure I get my A, B, and C, you know? Like, I need help. Like, I just knew I had ADHD, and I didn't know I had ADHD, but as I got older, like, you know what, I think I have ADHD. Because having ADHD just means, like, you can't focus, you can't choose what to focus on. Does that make sense? So you, you can't choose your focus. So, like, I had a hard time focusing on my work, even though I want to, but I just can't because I'm not interested. And I have to work extra harder to really understand what is it that I'm, like, reading and math, you know, whatever it is. And so I have to work extra harder than a normal person because I'm not interested, but I'm trying my best to make sure I get a you know, good grade to memorize it. But when it comes to things I'm interested in, which is art, like I excel in. Business is something I love, like I excel in, you know, uh, designing I excel in. So I, the point is I knew I, I needed help with, I was just giving you an example, like what is ADHD, you know. But I didn't get diagnosed ADHD until I was 40 years old, but even though I knew I had all these years. So when I was younger, I, you know, I just had to continue to ask for help. And I did that all the way up until 11th grade because I graduated when I was in 11th grade a year early. And I got, always got help. And even in college, I got help in college, you know, like I got F in my college algebra and I was like, oh, I need help. I need tutoring. 
And I got, I needed to get tutoring for my college algebra and I got an A after the second time. So the point is like, I was my own advocate and I need help. So give you an example, like my daughter, like she has a hard time focusing. She has a hard time like doing her work or comprehension, you know? And if it was left up to her, she wouldn't do anything. She would just pick the answer and not care about it. So she's basically not her own advocate. Does it make sense? So like growing up, I had to be my own advocate and to speak up for myself and to get help. And so that with being intuitive, like I have this natural tendency of being intuitive, I come to realize how strong of a pull I have with being an advocate and being intuitive for other people by being a voice for other people. That's what an advocate is, is being a voice for other people. But for myself, I can be my own voice, right? So for example, like my daughter, when I had my daughter, she was in the hospital. I had to be her advocate, you know? I always tell people like, if you're in the hospital and you cannot speak and you're in the mercies of the doctors, like you want to make sure that I'm in your hands, right? Because like, I know what's going on because I, I was living in a, a hospital for my daughter and my son, you know? And like, there's so many times that like doctors or nurses can make mistakes. And so you make sure you have someone there to speak up for you to make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing and to care for you because it's dangerous to be in a hospital because one little thing can be, you know, there's times when they took too much blood from my daughter, you know, knowing that she didn't have that much blood and I had to stop. So with my son, you know, he didn't make it. He lived for 19 days. You know, we fought for him, like we fought for him so much. And then, but a year later, I had my daughter's exact same defect. And so I had to be her boys. And there was like, I give the example too, just so many different examples. Like, but one example in particular is that my daughter, she had a glaucoma and I noticed she had like a gray dot in her eye. Mind you, every day attendees, they come look and they monitor the baby every single day, literally every single day, every morning. And so this is month three and she's in a NICU level four. And I just like noticed her eyes are shaking and it's been shaking for a while, but it was that day, that Friday. I was like, and I looked at her eye and it was like gray in the middle. I was like, huh? And I Googled that thing and I looked at Google and it said she had glaucoma and it could cause blindness. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was freaking out. So that night, it was Friday night, I called the doc nurse and they had the, you know, doctors come in, it was late at night and they're like, oh, she has cataracts. Not glaucoma, cataracts, because, you know, and then it causes glaucoma. Real quick, guys, if you enjoyed the show, please help me to spread the word on this podcast by leaving a quick review to help spread the word so we can empower more bridal makeup artists to increase their profit, support their families, deliver exceptional service. And if you could do this, this would mean the world to me. All right, let's get back to the show. And then, yeah, Monday she has surgery because otherwise she would have gone blind. So the point is, like, if I wasn't there to be there, she would be blind, you know? And then my mom, too, like, she, you know, she had dementia and the she deteriorated as time went by. And, like, I had to be her voice, you know? And I was a caretaker. So being a caretaker, guys, you, know, you already know it's a huge responsibility and it's a lot of stress that it falls on. And she lived with me, you know, I took care of my mom. And that's a story in itself on that, too. But I shared it on my post. I think I actually sent an email to everyone about that, just talking about how like I kept my promise to my dad and how my father, when he was really sick, he hasn't passed yet, but he was like really sick and he started crying. And I was just like wondering why, you know, I was really sad, like, why are you crying? You know, and he was just saying that he doesn't want to leave my mom. 
like he's scared to leave because he's scared to die basically he's scared because like who's gonna take care of mom you know someone needs to take care of, like obviously i have five sisters and two brothers so you know we're gonna take care of my mom but he was scared i mean rightfully so of, like my wife is gonna pass like who's gonna take you know but like my dad was really scared for my mom and so i was like dad i promise you i'll take care and i was 17 years old at this time so i said well, dad i'll take care of you don't worry you know i, I take care of mom and so I kept that promise. And you know how hard it is? Like, you know, like my life hasn't started yet. I was 17, 18, 19. And then she came and lived with me for a long time. And then obviously I had, you know, Milan, my, you know, I needed space. So, so she went to go live with my sister for a little bit. And then she came back to me when she got sicker about five years ago. She moved in with us, me and my husband, and we took care of her. She got started getting sicker about, and then she passed away three years ago. Yeah, it'd be three years in November. It was during COVID. It was really hard. And while all that was happening, I was building my online course. I was building my online course for my mom so that way I didn't have to like leave my studio. I didn't have to leave to go to teach the makeup academy at the studio. I could be at home teaching online, which is why I started this whole thing about four years ago, five years ago, this online academy. And she was the reason why I started this whole online journey. It was for my mom, I'll still be teaching the hands-on makeup academy. Because guys, teaching online and stuff like that, it's not easy at all. It's easy now because I've been through doing it, but teaching itself is not hard for me. I love teaching, which is part of the whole advocacy part that's natural to come to me. But what I'm saying, marketing online is, is a beast in itself when it comes to like education and stuff. But I'm here, you know, so I love teaching and I love helping others to be their best. And I love, I still love helping my brides to feel beautiful and I love helping them. And I'm not going to stop doing brides because... 15 years in, my brides are really, very sweet and it's fun. I love doing weddings. And I think that doing what you love is super important, which is why like my whole message is like, make sure you love what you do. Because I know the feeling of hating what you do. Because I worked at corporate for 10 years. I hated working in a cubicle. But I did that for freaking 10 years. But I don't regret working at corporate because I got so much experience. Like I learned working with like CEOs, working, you know, reports, learning how to deal with people, learning how to have policies and procedures, customer service, like all of that really helped my own business. Like 10 years, even though I hated it, I cry every single day at lunch. I would go during lunchtime, I cry. I remember crying <laughs> in the car of how much I hated my job. And so I think why I know so, that's part of the reason why I'm so passionate of like making sure you love what you do because you can't love what you do. You just have to know what you want and go full force in it and then you're not going to regret yeah you have to maybe invest time yeah you have to invest money but you crying over the hitting your job it's just as taxing it is as you spending your money on your business like hating your job it's the same tax like it's coming out of you like as it is you're spending your money like in your business well actually it's actually worse because you're crying you hate your job so that's actually worse because you get more stress and cortisol and then cause brain damage you know what i'm saying anyways spending money it'll come right back because you're investing into your business or you know your dreams and it come right back to you because you love it and you know if you love what you do you're gonna make money off of it eventually you know because it's coming from the right place and that's what I wanted to share with you guys. So like, yes, going back to what you were supposed to be doing is like, yes, work on your portfolio. I did five models every week for six months up until a year. My husband, even like I did podcasts with him and he remembered having five ladies every week to my house and an own little duplex. And I took pictures of before and after. And I didn't know what I was. I was posting on Facebook 
and I'll post on Facebook. And it's so funny because I did a bride about two, about three months ago. And she actually remembers all those posts I did, like before and afters of back in the day. And she says, she's like, Jenny, I miss those posts. Like you did a bunch of before and after and you did all ethnicity. Like it was all different races, which I did that for a reason. I did black, white, Mexican, like white, Asian. Like I did all like all races because I wanted to be like versatile. And so obviously right now my niche is like, I specialize in South Asian, right? Which is, that's what I do. But I'm able to do everyone. Because when, when it comes to South Asian, like the difference with them is just more so like knowing how to dress them, knowing how to communicate, knowing how to, like, I do teach that in my academy, how to communicate to brides and how to be able to communicate effectively in order to give the look that they want, because that itself is a little bit of a work because you just got to be strategic in how you communicate. Otherwise, people run all over you and then you end up not giving the look that they want. And, you know, it's just like, you know. Anyway, so going back to what I was saying that do your portfolio, do your before and afters, take pictures of it. Also, doing your portfolio does not mean doing your own makeup. So I know you guys may be doing makeup on your own self and posting that on Instagram, think that's going to attract. And so you're frustrated, you're not getting clients. I suggest you guys doing other people's makeup and posting that instead of doing your own makeup. Because if you do your own makeup and posting it, that doesn't show that you're a professional makeup artist. It just shows that you're more like an influencer. So if you want to be an influencer and you want to get brand deals, then that's what you should be expecting, not getting clients, you know? So just make sure you know your goal. Like you have to know what you want and take the actions to meet that goal. So first of all, know what you want, which majority of a lot of people don't know what they want. If you don't know what you want, that's what I want to need you to do. Like if I ask you right now, what do you want in your business? And if you say you don't know, that means you needed to go do some soul searching and like go and go sit down in a corner and like really think and list out what is it that you want. And I want you to not be afraid, you know, like don't be afraid. Like whatever your dreams is, it, say it, you know. I, there was a moment in time like I was so scared to even like say $100,000 a year, you know. I was like, I could barely say, it. I just said twenty like 50000 And now I was like, I want to make honey, like a month, not a year. Anyways, so the point is that there's progression in your business. So dream big and like I want you to be start being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then once you start being comfortable with like meeting your big goals and you start seeing those actions come to life and you'd be like, man, like it's actually actually that easy. I can't believe how easy it is to make money, which it really is. It's actually easy to make money. It's just like the biggest part is your limitation in your mind or the possibility or knowing that you can or knowing that you deserve it. And that's like the biggest, biggest, biggest thing why people can't really make money is because they think that they have to do this in order to no, like you don't. You just have to believe that you can and you deserve it. And you just have to make sure that you have no limiting beliefs around that making that money. And also you just have to make sure that you just align yourself with the right action and the right strategy with those with the mindset and then and your energy, which is everything you start aligning and start working. Like this month, like it's crazy. This month, I only like did one wedding and I brought in 15K, you know? And that's not with coaching or teaching Makeup Academy. And that's my bridal. So that just goes to show, like, I told myself not to freak out. Like, just don't freak out, Jenny, because I only did one wedding. But the money started coming in because from deposits or from like gigs, I, you know, that was being booked for next year or this year or next month, it just started coming in. And so, yeah. That I just goes to show, like, it's actually easy. You just have to make sure you're not scared. And you know how it's slow season and you guys start freaking out? 
like that needs to be controlled like really don't freak out you have to just it's hard to say it's just i know because i've been there but if you, the moment you stop like I, it was proof for this month in august and it's just, i believed it because i manifested like I said I was that's my goal and I'm not going to freak out and make sure that I show up doing what I need to do on social media, which you guys know need to be doing, need to be posting on Instagram. That's where brides are at and you need to be in front of them. And in my academy, I have a strategy with that. I'm getting called, you know, just because I am a bridal artist, I, it's just naturally people come and also do SEO marketing. You guys know that SEO is super important. You have a website, SEO is where is that. You get people coming in. That way you don't have to rely so much on social media. It just compounds and people come to you because they're looking, actively looking for a makeup artist or maybe they're looking for a makeup academy. So there are like two things that comes in from outside of social media. But social media is super important because it allows you to be in front of your ideal client. And mind you, there's so many like people on makeup artists on Instagram. So you have to make sure you show up every single, not day, but your stories show up every single day. But like every post, maybe like just be consistent three times a week. You have to show your brides that you are trustworthy. And how do you show you trustworthy? By being consistent on social media. That's one way. I know that because my brides tell me that. Like brides who've been following me for nine years, they finally get married, right? And they told me, like, I've been following you since I was 19 and she's 30 getting married. But she shared with me that, yeah, because you're so consistent on social media, like, it, that's why, like, I had to make sure I book you for my wedding. But even though I knew I was going to have you back in when I was 19 years old, but if you were not consistent on posting on social media, then I wouldn't have like probably picked you, you know. But because I was so consistent, then she remembered me. She booked me for a wedding. So I'm just sharing like my experience because I know like it's facts, like it's true. And you know that if you were a bride and you probably feel and think the same thing, you know. And also too, like there's some a lot of makeup artists that may... Like, I've talked to several and just like, well, I would never pay that much for my bridal hair and makeup. You know, I would never pay $1,000 or $5,000 for my hair and makeup. And that's another limiting belief that you have, too, on your own self. But you keep saying that it's actually holding you back, too. Like, I hear a lot of makeup artists say, say that. Like, why are you saying that? Like, who cares what you want to pay for? Just focus on, like, the person that is, is going to want to pay for your hair and makeup. You know what I'm saying? Like, for myself, I don't sit here and say, oh, my gosh, like, I charge $5,000. I would never pay myself, like, you know, I would never pay myself $5,000. I'm not going to sit here and waste my time saying that because I'm not selling to myself. You know what I'm saying? I'm selling to other people. That's my point. So if that's you, if you, like, keep saying that, then, like, you know, you need to, like, stop saying that and focus on the bride because that bride will pay for it. There's a bride that will pay $1,000 to $5,000 for your hair and makeup for that experience, you know? So that's my point. All right, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed my live today. And I hope that this live really helps you to really make sure that you prioritize in your portfolio building so you can track your dream bride and just do it. The only way is just do it. So stop thinking and do it. If this is something that you love to do. Now, if you need help with it, then you know where to go. You can contact me, send me a DM, say, hey, Jenny, you know what? I need help. Like I need help with my bridal beauty business. I want to launch it. You know, if you want to launch successful bridal beauty business, I'd be more than happy to help you. It doesn't really matter where you're at in your journey. I'm able to help you because I've been through all of it. 15 years of experience, guys, is like, you know, I'm working with clients that you want to work with. Like, I already know. And I'm constantly a student, you know. 
and I'm looking for someone who's hungry and wants to learn and wants to grow, who's very ambitious and like want the help that they deserve, you know, that they want to have in their dream life. Like, you know, like if they're passionate with makeup or beauty or they want to be able to start making an income or making a career out of it, like I'll be more than happy to help you with that. Like jumpstart the career or maybe you're in the middle of the career or maybe you're at the end of the career. Maybe you are, you're making a thousand dollars or maybe you're making three thousand dollars a month and you want to reach five thousand. Or maybe you're 5,000 when we reach 10,000, you know? So every step of the way, there's different strategies. And so you kind of have to unlearn the things that got you to maybe $1,000 a month. And you're probably stuck at 1,000. You don't know how to get past that. So that's why a coach and mentor will come in to be able to help you. All right, so I got you. So you can send me a DM, message me. I'll be more than happy to help you and see how, if we can be aligned and I can help you. Anyway, so I have a class coming up next Monday for the Hands-On and Makeup Academy. So if any of you guys are in Dallas, Texas that wants to be able to hone in your bio skills, want to become a professional makeup artist, then the eight-day hands-on course would be perfect for you because not only will you get solid foundation, but you actually get all my experience and all my tips and tricks in person. So I'm actually kind of like handhold you and watch you and see how you hold your brushes and how you interact with your models. And I'll be able there to guide and direct you and help you along the way. And it's amazing how the confidence my students get by the end of the program and how they be blossom to another level. Every single day they blossom. And it just makes me super proud of like being part of that journey. When the program ends, like I'm able to be part of the journey and continue on if you decide to want me to be part of your journey. Because the thing of it is, is like you can't really do it alone. Like you do need help. How I grew my business, you know, my like I had help. I always had help. So you'll come to a point in your business or whatever you're at in your journey. It's like doing it alone will only take you so far. So you're eventually going to have to get help. You have to. Like that's the only way to get past <laughs> your threshold or your baseline or whatever you're at right now in your business. So anyways, guys, I hope this live was really appreciated. Comment below. Let me know if it's very helpful for you. And I, I encourage you to continue to push through your dreams. And I see you guys next week. Okay, bye. I hope you enjoyed today's topic. And if you did, please rate and subscribe. Either way, DM me on IG and say hello as I would love to hear from you. Until then, don't stop dreaming because you are living in it.